Hi, this is William Irwin, author of The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics. You're listening to Metal Mayhem ROC with Vernomatic. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music. Interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com, or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. And now, welcome tonight's host, John the Vernomatic Verno. Good evening, everybody. As always, Thursday night's brand new content drops. Tonight's episode, we go to Heavy Metal College. We welcome to the show Professor William Irwin, his brand new book, The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics. Now, this book just came out this Tuesday, April 19th. You can find it everywhere. It's the first book to focus exclusively on the lyrics of the band. Professor Irwin takes a deep dive into such topics as truth, identity, alienation, addiction, justice, all those fun topics that James Hetfield, the main lyricist of Metallica, tries to convey in the killer, killer music of Metallica. That's coming up in just a minute. But first, just want to remind you about our brand new website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Sign up for our email newsletter, join our community, There you'll find past shows, download them, do us a favor, rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. There you'll have direct links to my radio show I do on Monday nights on Metal Devastation Radio and part of our team, Metal Mark James. He has two kick-ass shows on Friday and Saturday nights on his platform. Check out the Meet the Team page where each of us, Metal Walt, Ian O'Rourke, Bill the Rager, Southern Kale, We all have our own pages and links to our different platforms. So that's about it. Now, on to our feature interview tonight. Heavy metal professor, William Irwin. In his book, The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics. I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. And as always, keep it heavy. Hey! Listen up. Now, get that popcorn ready and grab a seat. Do it! As the Vernomatic presents this week's feature interview, exclusively here on Metal Mayhem ROC. Tonight, our guest is New York Times best-selling philosophy author, Professor Bill Irwin. Books include his pop culture series, The Simpsons, Seinfeld, The Matrix. Well, he's here today to talk about his new book, a heavy book, The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics. Let's welcome to Metal Mayhem ROC heavy metal scholar, Professor Bill Irwin. Hey, thanks for having me, Vernon Maddock. Great to be with you. I know you know your metal, man. I've been listening. I'm ready to talk. Well, good, good. Uh, great book just came out on Tuesday the 19th, Metallic and the Meaning of Metal, Ride to Lyrics. Great title. Goes right into what you wanted to talk about. Got tons of questions. Going to dive right into it. First and foremost, how long have you been a Metallica fan, and why now on this book? Well, I'd, I'd like to say I go back as far as you, Vernomatic, uh, but I know you go all the way back to Kill 'Em All. Uh, I, I go back to Ride the Lightning, ni- 1984. Okay, 
We, we, okay. we know uh, years and months make a difference in claiming uh, OG uh, Metallica fan status. So I, you know, I tip my hat to you there. Uh, I go back to 1984, you know, when I'm a budding uh, young metalhead, uh, Ozzy Sabbath, uh, Priest, that kind of stuff, hanging out with my buddy Joe, you know, we're Beavis and Butthead before there was Beavis and Butthead, and uh, mm -hmm. Joe is a step ahead of me, as he often is, and uh, gets a copy of Ride the Lightning, and, uh, you know, he, he tapes that for me, and uh, as we did back in the day, I had the uh, the cassette tape and played that through, and then bought my own copy, and uh, I mean, uh, really, it was like nothing else I had heard uh, at that time. Faster, heavier, uh, and in many ways deeper than uh, than a lot of other uh, metal out there. So, you know, it really struck a chord with me right off the bat. Now, Ride the Lightning Tour, did you have a chance to see it? Did not. Uh, I, I was a little on the young side. I know I've, I've heard, uh, listening to you, that you almost went to the show in Buffalo where, where they got snowed in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a still sore spot. Ironically, I, I could have possibly seen that tour uh, because I was a fan of Wasp at the time before I knew of Metallica, and they were basically opening for Wasp or, you know, maybe co-headlining, yeah. right? And yep. uh, Wasp, uh, I believe, on that tour uh, played Lemoore in Brooklyn, where I... I you know, ended up seeing lots of shows, never Metallica. They were too big by the time I got there, but I saw Slayer on Rain and Blood and Overkill nice, nice. and, you know, Anthrax a bunch of times at, at L'Amour. So it could have accidentally happened that I went to see uh, Wasp and, and saw this new band Metallica, but it didn't happen that way for me. Are you a native New York? Yeah, yeah. So I'm from Yonkers, right outside New York City, and uh, so yeah, we'd see the shows in the uh, in the New York metro area. And Lemoore was called the rock capital of Brooklyn, sort of famous East Coast place. So yeah, you got me by a couple of years, and man, I don't know. It always seems like when you're into metal, the golden age was just a little bit before you came of age. At least that's the way it always seems to me. You know what? I'm two years ahead of you. Well, there are some guys a couple years ahead of me that, you know, saw some of those late 70s priest tours yes. and, you know, made it on uh, Killers in their first album. Yeah. So, you know, there's dudes two years younger than you that are saying, oh, you saw Master that's of the Puppets. Right. That's so, right. But that's just the way it always looks, you know? All right. So you have your uh, metal credentials. Props all to right. you. Uh, let's talk about the book. Tell us about it. Yeah, so the book is called The Meaning of Metallica, subtitle Ride the Lyrics, and uh, it's the only book out there, lots of Metallica books, lots of great Metallica books, I think I've read them all, friends with some of the authors even, uh, but you generally see sort of background, biography, great storytelling, in some cases you see some catalogs of the songs uh, where they explain some of the background that's been, uh, you know, released here and there in, in interviews. Uh, what I do is, is, is look at the songs, uh, in many cases, line by line, and analyze the lyrics. Uh, and this is something that I've been doing since probably I am 14. I like to say that uh, Metallica brought me two things that uh, lots of guys my age, particularly back then, shied away from, and that is poetry and therapy. From the beginning, <laughs> you know, I yeah. probably got into, into poetry by looking at uh, song lyrics, and in particular, the, the best among them, uh, in my opinion, uh, Metallica's. And uh, although I was a goofy Beavis and Butthead type kid, I was also 
you know, the brooding existentialist uh, type kid with a, with a crisis about meaning and what's it all about. And, and quite frankly, uh, Fade to Black was the first song that really spoke to me. And although uh, James didn't write that from a place of suicidal despair himself, uh, he puts himself uh, in the mindset of, uh, of somebody uh, who really is feeling those feelings. And uh, just uh, listening to it all the way through, you know, inspired me to keep going. And, and you know, uh, Metallica's music is, and, and lyrics are always about, uh, about fighting forward and not giving up and, and finding hope. And, and it really did that for me. And uh, so they've been the soundtrack of my life, at least since I'm 14, all the way through to the, uh, you know, the most recent album, which isn't that recent anymore. And they've always been a source of inspiration and therapy and, uh, and poetry for me. And so uh, this is my sort of tribute to that. Uh, I know the, that a lot of fans take the, the lyrics uh, very seriously as I do. Not everybody. Some people really just tune into the music and that's fine too. And you know, other musical artists have gotten very serious treatment. I mean, Bob Dylan gets the Nobel Prize and lots of books written about Dylan's lyrics and, you know, all, all props to him for that. Metal music in particular just, you know, it seems to get dissed over and over. I mean, with, you know, yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or whatever it is. And so here I Grammys. am saying, you know, this is really uh, first rate stuff that needs to be taken seriously. Certainly, uh, w without good music, uh, the, the lyrics won't mm -hmm. do very much uh, for me. So, like, you take, like, uh, Leonard Cohen, great Canadian artist, you know, who's got great lyrics, but the music doesn't really uh, get me. And, you know, he's certainly not metal, but I don't, uh, you know, restrict myself necessarily to metal. Uh, but, yeah, from early on, I mean, like, Ozzy and Sabbath, uh, I mean, I was tuned into their lyrics and... and uh, a lot of that really uh, spoke to me even mm -hmm. before I came to uh, to Metallica, and uh, you know that that that's always been the case for me. I mean, sure, the guitar and the and the drums and all of that has to be there, uh, but uh, bad lyrics can can ruin a good song for me. What kind of research did you do for this? Was it just relying on your memory? Did interviews or just everything? Yeah, well. 50, 40 years, <laughs> 35 years of following. Right. So in some way, I've been writing the book in my head since I'm 14. Uh, but, yeah. you know, more seriously, uh, I mean, I, I think I've read every book on Metallica uh, that's been written. And there are quite a few at this point and, and uh, lots of published interviews uh, and all that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, it, it's really a lot of uh, having listened to the songs hundreds, thousands of times. And that was in some way an obstacle because I, di I didn't want to ruin the songs for myself by listening to them repeatedly just to, to dissect for the sake of doing this. And, and so I did something, uh, I just kind of happened on doing this. I, I ended up uh, memorizing the lyrics so that I could sing them for myself. Uh, and I've got nobody's idea of, uh, of a good voice. Uh, not only can I not play an instrument, but I can't carry a tune. Uh, but uh, that was my way of really sort of reverse engineering the lyrics for myself that way, thinking of how they would be sung and where they're coming from. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I did reach out uh, to Metallica, uh, you know, uh, management and, and such requesting uh, an interview. And I was, I was treated very uh, kindly and professionally and uh, it, it just didn't end up happening. And I can understand yeah. that a lot of artists don't want to uh, comment on or even be interviewed about uh, their lyrics. Was there um, any songs uh, 
that didn't make the cut? How do you decide which songs to profile? Yeah, so I mean, uh, first of all, it really covers the the whole catalog from Kill 'Em All, where yeah. I, I don't talk a lot about Kill 'Em, but but it does, but songs do make it there all all the way up to uh, Hardwired to, to Self Destruct, and I haven't done a count on it. But I, I would say half of uh, Metallica's songs get at least some sort of mention and discussion. Other songs get uh, elaborate line-by-line uh, -line, uh, analysis and dissection. And so what, what, the, what the book does is it doesn't catalog album by album, song by song, but rather goes thematically uh, mm -hmm. and looks for songs that sort of speak to one another uh, or continue a theme, right? So the uh, the first chapter uh, in the book deals with religion, uh, and so I have a lengthy uh, dissection and analysis of creeping death uh, into leper messiah, into the god that failed, that sort of thing, right? The uh, second chapter deals yeah. with addiction, uh, and so I'm looking at like master of puppets, uh, low man's lyric, fixer, and uh, other songs yeah, that yeah. really speak to that. Do you ever surprise yourself after the thousands of times you've heard these songs? You know, you got a different interpretation. So, so one song uh, that that stood out for me that way was the Unforgiven too. I've got some analysis of the the whole trilogy of Unforgiven songs, and I mean, I've mm -hmm. listened to that song hundreds of times. If you know, maybe not thousands in the case of that one, since it's on Reload, but uh, yeah, uh, I've listened to it hundreds of times, uh, and. It wasn't until I started really dissecting it and, and trying to link it with the first and the, and the third uh, Unforgivens that it became clear that by the end, the narrator uh, ends up killing the woman uh, who he's in love with. And if you, if you, you know, take a look at the uh, uh, printed lyrics, uh, it becomes very clear, right? That uh, dead sure she'll be there, her eyes are closed, uh, you know, she'll never love again. I mean, it really is very grim sort of tongue-in-cheek yeah. uh uh you know and, and without yeah i mean as a, and when when you think of uh of metal you don't uh usually think subtle uh but but headfield is really very subtle uh and cagey at times with some of the lyrical uh, analysis i remember as a kid you would sit there you had nothing else to do you dissect the album you look at the cover read the lyrics do you ever listen to a song without reading the lyrics, but try to, you know, get your own interpretation by just listening to it? Yeah, yeah, no, right. I mean, uh, you and I are from the, the same uh, school with that, right? I mean, you know, you'd yeah. buy an LP and it would cost you 10 bucks or whatever, and that was some, you know, hard-earned money, and you're not buying another one maybe anytime too quickly, and just take it all in, the artwork, the liner notes, the, the lyrics, all of that. So, I mean, you know, that's part of... Uh, why I maybe uh, became so entranced with lyrics early on is that so many albums had them uh, printed with it, right? And uh, I, I remember, you know, the uh, original pressings of, uh, of Kill Em All didn't come with the lyrics, and it wasn't until they reissued it through Elektra uh, that uh, they, uh, they put the, uh, the oh. lyrics out with it. And so there were yeah. lots of songs I had the lyrics wrong on. Yeah, that's it's. I don't know if I've ever read the lyrics to Kill 'Em All. You know, they're they're better uh, than than you might think, right? I mean, mm. uh, and and case in point is, uh, with all due respect to Dave Mustaine, you know, you compare the lyrics to the Four Horsemen uh, to Mechanics, and, and you get a yeah. sense of 
uh, of the aptitude that uh, Hetfield had for writing lyrics early on. And, and even on uh, Kill 'Em All, I mean, uh, which has lots of sort of fantasy sort of lyrics with uh, Phantom Lord and, uh, I mean, The Four Horsemen is straight out of the book of the apocalypse, but, but there's a lot of that sort of thing but it really is done uh, about as well as it's ever been done and really avoids uh, the typical heavy metal cliches. I mean, the only one that really gets into the, uh, the cliche uh, realm there is, uh, is Jump in the Fire. And, and that, that too is a Mustaine uh, pen song, even if uh, Hetfield uh, did the lyrics. Wouldn't you think Seek and Destroy is a little you know, cliche. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, it does fit uh, just the whole mindset uh, of the band and, and and the young people there. I mean, I, I remember back in the day when, you know, he, <laughs> he would uh, introduce it in, in concert about, uh, you know, getting shit-faced and causing a little senseless destruction, right? I mean, that, that was it. And it, it speaks to that, that sort of mindset. Uh, well, it's it's how Kill 'Em All the progression overall. Kill 'Em All the Ride to Lightning. Now, Kill 'Em All was loaded with you know Whiplash. Yeah. It's not you know no one's ever going to confuse that with you know the lyrics to Ride to Lightning. It was it was their first album. They made leaps and bounds. But that that, that era, that Kill Ride Master, at least in my interpretation, that was that yeah. block of yeah. the way they wrote their music, the lyrics. What's your favorite Cliff era lyrics? Because it was definitely a different band when Cliff was there. Oh, uh, it's a really holy or unholy trilogy that that first three. There's no disputing it. And I mean, my my sentimental favorite uh, would, would probably be "Ride the Lightning." I mean, that, as I said before, "Fade to Black" is probably the song that uh, really mm-hmm. spoke to me. Uh, you have. Uh, Creeping Death, which is really uh, in its way a sort of subtle critique of uh, uh, of the God of the Old Testament and organized religion. This is before Hetfield is really getting more personal in his reflections uh, that come yep. out more in the Black Album and, uh, and Load. And uh, really, for whom the bell tolls is, uh, although inspired by the uh, the Hemingway uh, novel and and uh, uh, the movie version, is really a nice sort of implicit critique of war and uh so that's probably my favorite uh, of the three but you can't go wrong no you can't go wrong it depends what what uh what flavor you want you know they're all like old friends yeah oh i i, I love that uh that uh, analogy of old friends by the way because that's the way i look at every album of theirs that comes out to this day is like i get to see my old friends again and sometimes I'm not as crazy about what they're up to as I was uh, back in the day, but I, I still always find something in it, uh, you know, that, that really uh, resonates yeah. with me. We're talking with Bill Irwin, the author of the book, Metallica, The Meaning of Metallica, Ride to Lyrics. I don't want to jump out of order, but I do want to put a little time in on St. Anger. How much did the whole St. Anger, some kind of monster documentary help you interpret some of those lyrics because there was a bad period yeah it really was you know that that they kept it together enough to have uh an album and for them to move forward and that's the real success out of that i i don't i don't think that i spend a lot uh of uh ink on saying anger in the book but i do uh give it some due partly for example 
Uh, I mean, one of the things that comes clear in watching this, uh, the uh, some kind of monster documentary, right, is that uh, Hetfield uh, leaves for rehab, and so the addiction issue is important there. And so, yeah. so lyrics like uh, "My lifestyle determines my death style" is uh, is very uh, important for uh, thinking about the addiction issue. And "Sweet Amber," which is a sort of tongue in cheek about you know, uh, drink alcohol, you know, yeah. uh, that sort of thing. Isn't that a Kirk Hammett line, though? Your lifestyle determines your death style. It, it might be, but uh, it made it into the song, right? So <laughs> We'll have to fact check that, and we'll put that in show notes. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that, that is true, right? That's the, the <laughs> one album where they were sharing uh, even lyric writing. Uh, although, I mean, the, the odd thing about that, right, is that you have, you have Kirk Hammett contributing some lyrics but no guitar solos right though <laughs> the, the, the whole operation was upside down yeah. Bill. it was like there was no band jason cut out and i love jason newstead yes. and yes you know um i've been sober since 8206 and the last time i drank alcohol i sat in my living room i drank beers and i watched some kind of monster and i was like damn if het could do it and he's this you know, this huge guy, I understand where he is coming from that, you know, Johnny Verno could do this. And, you know, I haven't drank since it was tough being James Hatfield. He talks about going over to the, you know, the, those he picked those Russian hunting trips over spending time with his family. You know, was it to get away? Was it to drink the vodka? But that whole St. Anger, you, you know, some of those lyrics, they were just, they were raw. That's what I'm trying to say. They were just raw. They they are raw and and congratulations to you on uh, on your sobriety. Uh, we share that Thank in you. common, as it turns out. I haven't had a drink since '97. Just celebrated 25 years of sobriety. And uh, congratulations to you too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's been interesting watching uh, Hetfield's journey. As fans know, uh, he relapsed a couple of years ago and. As far as we know, he's back uh, on the beam now. Uh, mm -hmm. and it'll be interesting to see what uh, lyrics in the future uh, have to say about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was in a, a really terrible place emotionally and, and everything else. Uh, and that's a case where uh, anger, saying anger, didn't actually yield uh, great lyrics. Uh, it yielded something, but uh, it was just a product that they got out there. Although, as you know, uh, Vernal, from talking to lots of fans, uh, there are fans uh, of Metallica for whom that somehow is their favorite album. Uh, you know, as there are fans who, you know, uh, Reload is their favorite album. And, you know, so it's amazing how even uh, what we might consider a bad Metallica album is, in some people's uh, estimation, great music and even great lyrics. Well, it's like with yourself. You discovered them in Ride to Lightning. That was their launching point. Yeah. Even the band to this day, when you go see them live, three or four songs into the set, James asked the crowd, who's new to the Metallica family? And it's a fair amount of people. It so, is. hey, we're not here to dispute. The The, the Metallica machine is, uh, is fantastic. Yep. So let's pick it up. Uh, the Black Album. Yeah, so I mean, the, the Black Album, right, of course, is where uh, Metallica lost a lot of fans and gained a lot of new fans. And uh, 
a lot of old schoolers thinking that it had uh, gone to commercial at that point. Uh, but lyrically, it's, it's in some ways one of the deepest, uh, you know, uh, Enter Sandman aside, there's all kinds of uh, great stuff on there. For, for example, from Unforgiven, uh, which you really start to see uh, some of uh, Hetfield's uh, autobiography uh, coming through there, the way in which he, uh, you know, was resenting the way in which he was raised and the way that people try to put you yeah. into a, a box and uh, deprive you of your authenticity. And uh, we also see uh, a very thinly veiled uh, storytelling about uh, the God that failed and his experience growing up as a Christian scientist and the way in which, uh, you know, there was all sorts of uh, hypocrisy and uh, uh, misdeeds involved in that. And, you know, just other songs that seem really kind of uh, self-reflective and even self-lacerating, The Struggle Within, my friend of misery, uh, and you know, then we have other songs uh, about uh, freedom and becoming who you are, uh, like you know, some of the radio uh, hits "Wherever I May Roam" and "A Wolf and Man," uh, and uh, almost all those songs, I think, in the book get some some pretty close uh, line by line analysis. Are there any happy Metallica songs? <laughs> and I don't say that derogatory, like uh, it's all gloom and doom. I don't want to stereotype. But is there anything upbeat, a, a positive message, or I think uh, even the songs that seem very negative and dark do have a positive yeah, yeah. message and inspiring hope. But but you know what? It, it's tough to come up with good songs that are happy in almost any genre. Uh, you know, most songs. I mean, maybe about love, and love is sort of happy. Uh, you know, and you can think of uh, nothing else matters along those lines, and that that's a much better than average uh, love song. Uh, and uh, but yeah, it's tough to come up with something uh, that that's straight out happy, happy metal. You know, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, I know. Nothing I know, but, but... but you're, you're into poison. Nothing but a good time <laughs> at that point, right? And you're right. It's there is a lot of positives that come out of this. It's just it's darkened with yeah. You know how's Hatfield gonna growl and right. be happy? I mean, I, I guess I know you're a big Van Halen fan. There's lots of Van Halen songs that have a, a kind of a happy feel to them. Are you a Van Halen fan? I'm not a big Van Halen fan, uh, but I grew up with guys uh, who were big Van Halen fans, and so I know it all. Oh, well, let, for part two, let's do uh, uh, Van Halen, the DL, DLR years. Well, I don't know if you've ever talked to this guy, but Greg Renoff. Uh, oh, yeah. Have you talked to him? Uh, several times. We hung out uh, down at Rockin' Pod. Yeah, so but to plug his book, Van Halen Rising, is just an incredible book. Then the follow-up, the Ted Templeman book. That's a great one, too. Yeah. The the trilogy. It was the Greg Renoff, Van Halen Rising, the Templeman book, and the Noel Monk running with the devil. Okay, I don't know that one. Noel Monk was the manager of Van Halen. Oh, okay. Worked for Warner Brothers, and he came off the road with the Sex Pistols. His first, his next job was to be the road manager for Van Halen. Never even knew the band, who it was. Yeah. He met him when he flew to Chicago for the opening night. By the end of the tour, he became their manager yeah, yeah. and was their manager through the end of 1984 when the band broke up and he never had more than a 30 day contract. Wow. Uh, but his book is fantastic. So you, um, did you reach out to Greg? Yeah, on this? yeah. I, I, I had uh, read uh, Van Halen Rising uh, mostly because uh, 
I have friends uh, who were big Van Halen fans, and they were talking about it. And, and Greg, like me, is actually uh, a PhD. Yeah, uh, and he's a historian, and so he brought a historian's chops to, to researching uh, the early years of Van Halen, and, and and he tells the story of it just incredibly. Uh, and so I, I was just really hooked, and I, and I reached out to him, telling him that, how much I liked the book. And, uh, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, at least an email or Twitter friendship. And uh, my book, uh, The Meaning of Metallica, is actually published by the same publisher who published his. So there was some connection there as well. Would you, uh, would you do a part two? Oh, I, I would do a part two. I, I cover, uh, you know, all the albums to one degree or another, even the load albums. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I'm probably like a lot of older fans uh, who are not, all that enthused about a lot of the songs but like a lot of uh fans uh, i i could collapse the two into one album that i like very much and and there's some great lyrical reflections uh so some of my favorite uh lyrics from metallica and certainly on the issues of uh addiction and uh potential sobriety at least come on the load albums that the house that jack built on uh, on load and then we have uh, low man's lyric and uh, and fixer uh, on on reload, mm -hmm. uh, so those all get pretty close attention in the book, uh, but not every song does. Uh, and and so one of the things that that I say in the introduction to the book, and again at the end, I give uh, the uh, the reader my uh, personal email address and my, my Twitter handle, and uh, hopefully you can make those available on on your website too. And I say you know you read the book. Uh, get in touch with me. Send me an email. Send me a DM through uh, through Twitter. You know, tell me what I left out. Tell me what you think I got wrong. Uh, and uh, you know, let's have a conversation. You're opening a doorbell. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's a great thing. Uh, you know, in in the sense of like, you know, I tell you the story just now about Greg Renolf. You know, things come out of it that way. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I read a lot of books, and uh, sometimes I I'll contact the author and. Sometimes I hear back like I did with uh, with Greg, and, and sometimes I don't. And, uh, you know, if you're contacting Stephen King, that's one thing. But I'm mm -hmm. no Stephen King. Uh, contact me, and, you know, as long as you're not being a total jerk, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have a conversation. And, and maybe a, a second book will come out of that, you know. Uh, so I, I don't talk about the outlaw torn. I know that's a lot of load fan errors, uh Loader or fans' favorite, you know. I don't talk about uh, the Cthulhu songs very much. I mean, I'd love to hear from people who think, you know, you really missed it uh, with that, leaving that out, or the way you uh, interpreted that. Of course, I'd love to hear from somebody too who says, "Hey, you really got it right." But either way, get in touch with me. And you're right; those two loads could be compacted into one. It is what it is. Hey, our band's still releasing stuff. Yeah. Magnetic. And I like the magnetic choice you did. Well, you had the Judas Kiss in there. That's a that's a great song. Yeah, so so if I just say something about that, right? I mean, I, I, analyzing the Judas Kiss, I mean, I, I really see a lot of the lyrics there speaking to perhaps a sense of betrayal uh, that, uh, that Hetfield, the band, feels, you know, when, when a lot of fans did. Uh, jump ship on them and, and the doubt that they could ever really uh, do anything worthwhile again uh, and I see uh, a song that I like very much it may not be the uh, the deepest lyrically but it speaks to me broken beaten scarred uh, mm. as in a sense responding to that right where you, you know you rise again after you fall yep. uh, 
uh, and you show your scars. Uh, that, to me, that, that, you know, even in simple form, really shows a lot of what Metallica's lyrics have been about from the, from the beginning, right? Uh, showing your pain, your anger, uh, and trying to uh, own it and, and, and move past it if you can. We're talking with Bill Irwin, the author of the book, Metallica, The Meaning of Metallica, Ride to Lyrics, just came out this week over on Tuesday the 19th. Bill, where could uh, people get this? Well, they can get anywhere they get books, I, I, I suppose. Uh, I don't like to tell people where they should get uh, anything, yeah. <laughs> particularly Metallica fans. But uh, if you know that Amazon uh, website, uh, I'm sure they yeah. have it, uh, Barnes yeah. & Noble, uh, maybe your local bookstore, your local small bookstore. There are fewer and fewer of those. They're going the way yeah. of record stores these days. With very few of them uh, left. Not mm -hmm. quite as uh, as marginalized as record stores, but uh, get it anywhere you can and uh, read it and get in touch with me. Uh, what kind of shows did you see down in New York? Oh, um, yeah. Well, so I, I mentioned Lamore. I don't know if you're familiar with. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Lamore, yeah, yeah. I mean, just legends. Um, what else was down there? There's uh, something that's up in my tongue. Um, that, that was um, the, oh Roseland, Roseland. Yeah, Roseland, and uh, I'm blanking on some of the other uh, sort of smaller places uh, in in the city. Uh, but uh, in in Nourishell, which is Westchester and not far from where I was in Yonkers, it was like one of the first places they had the COVID cases. Uh, there was a place called Streets. Uh, where you saw all kinds of, uh, you know, they might be a cover band uh, or they might be uh, an original band. Like, so in Streets, which probably held two or 300 people, I saw yeah. uh, Nuclear Assault. I was a big fan of Nuclear Assault at the time. Uh, hardcore, uh, what's the name of the band? The Agnostic, Agnostic, Agnostic Front. Front. Great, you know, show from yeah. them. Yeah, Danny Lilker's from town up here. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's from Rochester. He actually runs. There's a big record store. Now you're talking about record stores. We still have several of them. Yeah. Uh, great House of Guitars in Rochester. All right. Three stories. It's legendary. Yeah. Uh, we have the Record Archive. In the Record Archive, they have a back area, a stage and a bar. And, you know, there's still a metal movement up here. Awesome. Um, oh, yeah. you know what? What a great place in New York was. That, you know, I talked about being like Beavis and Butthead. Uh, th there was a place called the Rising Sun in Yonkers, uh, you know, walking distance from from my house, and, and Metallica and Raven actually played there, you know, Kill 'Em All for One tour. Yeah, uh, and uh, I was listening to it, it must have been the the episode you just uh, sent me about Kill 'Em All. One of the guys was talking about, maybe both of them talked about the warehouse, you know, where uh, Anthrax was and, uh, and uh -huh. Metallica. Uh, you know, stayed and that kind of thing. And and one of the guys mentioned the band called Black Lace. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No. Uh, that, so they were from Yonkers and, and the Bronx. And, and you know, T.T. Uh, Quick would play there. T.T. Quick and, and Black Lace were like the two big bands at that yeah. time. Going further back in time, uh, Twisted Sister would play there. But anyway, but we, we love Black Lace. They, they, and check out the first Black Lace album if you, if you can come across it. Uh, they had a really hot female singer, Marianne Scandifio, and she could, you know, she could really <laughs> sing, and she was, you know, eye candy on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and a really, you know, I mean, it was poppy metal, I guess, but, you know, it was ballsy in its way, no synthesizers or any of that. 
Mm-hmm. So my friend, my friend Joel and I were in love with Marianne Scandipio. She must have been 19 or 20 at the time. We're 14 or 15. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the drinking age, I think at that time, was still 18. Uh, and so, you know, we'd go stand outside the rising sun and, you know, these 16-year-old girls would get in. But no, no Beavis and Butthead characters like us would <laughs> get in. Yeah. Uh, and they'd have the signs up for what bands were coming. And my friend Joe stole the black lace sign uh, and he had it hanging up in his room. And I, I was just thinking about that today, hearing them mention, because they must have been pissed. They must have paid money to make that sign and display it. And meanwhile, this this idiot kid, you know, they didn't even know had stolen it, you know? So Yeah. Where's that sign now? It's probably gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I doubt he held on to it. The, the other thing that's missing is my buddy uh, Joe's painted vest. He had a, a, a the Queensryche EP was painted on the back of his chest, uh-huh. and, and we're always uh, still talking about what happened to the vest. I tell him I stole it, and I'm going to show up at the next you know reunion with it and all that kind of stuff. You know? Do you still go to shows when you can? Or? Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I've uh, I've been to uh, to a metal show. Uh, but you know, pandemic and, and all that. Uh, you know what I'm going to see uh, pretty soon. There's a place out here in Pennsylvania called the Sherman Theater, uh, and uh, Richie Blackmore is doing his medieval loop music really? or whatever there. Yeah, so I'm gonna go check that out. What the hell, you know? Now, where are you in Pennsylvania? Near Scranton. Wow. Which I guess was the next stop on the tour after Buffalo. I remember hearing you, uh, you know, talking about the ride. Yeah, yeah. Show. It yeah. was, um, yeah, they got snowed in. I don't know if you heard the uh, the John the, the the John Bush Armored Saint one. Yeah, yeah, I think that maybe that's what I was, or maybe you played a clip of it, or maybe you talked yeah, about yeah. it. I forget. Yeah, Scranton was. The guy, I, like I said, the guy I do the show with, one of my uh, correspondents, Metal Walt, that's yeah. his air name. He lives like 15 minutes from Dingbats in New Jersey. Okay. So in November, and Walt, Walt, that's a great episode. You should go back and listen to his first episode. He's a professional um, bootlegger. Oh, yeah. He's been bootlegging shows for like 35 years. Oh, wow. That's how I met him. Yeah. And yeah. we've become friends, and now he's part of the show. Yeah. But uh, he he goes to shows all the time. Oh yeah, all the time. And uh, we did. We went down to see Raven in November. Did a special with him. You know, we're hanging out with him on their tour bus. Tour bus. The fucking Winnebago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're loading up there. Yeah, <laughs> it was so not rock and roll. Right. Felt bad because we did the interview. Then we were going around the corner to get Italian. Right. And as we were walking out, their catered food was coming in and. We should have brought them to dinner, you know? <laughs> yeah, really. You get a chance yeah. to, to take food uh, well, to dinner. You should, right? We should have like, hey, guys, I go get a real meal. But um, I before we go, I do want to touch on some of your other releases. You do, uh, you do a pop culture series. You've done books on Seinfeld, The Simpsons, and The Matrix. Tell us about them. Yeah, sure. So this goes all the way back uh, to the, uh, the late 90s. Uh, my uh, my day job, right, is I'm a philosophy professor at a small college in Pennsylvania, King's College. And uh, when I started teaching, I was not that much older than some of my students. And so I'd reference things in class like Seinfeld or The Simpsons and 
everybody knew it and I could tie it into something unfamiliar in philosophy and try to bring them along that way. And uh, it ended up being something that I wasn't the only one doing. And so my philosophy professor friends and I would uh, compile these, uh, these books like Seinfeld and philosophy, the Simpsons and philosophy. And uh, we had a, a really big hit with uh, the matrix and philosophy uh, shortly after that film came out in 1999 that one made it all the way to the bestseller list on the New York Times, as you had mentioned. And uh, one of the books in the series, uh, this is going back to like 2005 at this point, is actually Metallica and Philosophy. Uh, so uh, if someone wants uh, the philosophical spin on Metallica, they, they could pick that up. It only goes as far as saying anger, but that's uh, that's pretty good. Oh, I didn't, I, didn't even, I didn't even know that. Yep. Yep. So this is technically my second book on uh, on Metallica. Ah. That one is a is an edited collection where I wrote one of the chapters, and I had, you know, eighteen, nineteen of my philosophy buddies uh, writing uh, the <laughs> others. And uh, you know, uh, back in uh, at a certain point, it was hard to find Metallica fans uh, among philosophy professors, but not not as much anymore. And uh, yeah, that that that's a, that's an ongoing uh, series of books. Uh, you know, we just had uh, some recent titles on uh, uh, the science fiction uh, show, The Expanse and Philosophy, uh, uh, basically a whole bunch of ones on the Marvel movies and philosophy, and just always trying to connect philosophy and pop culture in a way to spread uh, both around. Well, let's talk about the uh, Seinfeld one. Yeah. Uh, why Seinfeld? Because that's that's my one. I'm one of my Rushmore of comedies. Oh yeah, that that that, uh, that, that that's way up there. Uh, you know, uh, Seinfeld might be my my all time favorite. Well, I mean, uh, and and curb your enthusiasm oh. goes in the same direction, right? Uh, even more yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. all, all the sort of picky little questions, uh, like is super meal, is it rational to, to, to do the opposite? Uh, all these kind of things, which they, they exploit to just great comedic effect, are the kind of things that philosophy and philosophers uh, have been uh, talking about in a sort of boring way uh, for, you know, 2,500 years. So to find something like Seinfeld and be able to link it in a fun, interesting way uh, with uh, something uh, that's been yeah. dry uh, was, you know, a bit of a success. Those evergreen uh, moments. Yeah. You, you could keep going back to it. And I, I feel you either get it or don't get it. It was amazing that, that Seinfeld had the, the mass appeal it did. It, in some ways, it's such a an East Coast, New York-based show, but it, it, people got it all over the world. Love Seinfeld. Yeah, Simpsons. Yeah. Why the Simpsons? Oh, it was the same kind of thing. I mean, at a certain point in time, I think the Simpsons in philosophy came out in 2000 or 2001. And at that time, uh, every college kid uh, knew, uh, knew the Simpsons, even if they weren't big fans. You couldn't avoid it. It was the closest thing to a common language. And, and the yeah. Simpsons is just always been written well I mean at least back in the day it was always written very uh, literately and, and with great wit and observation and so it was just uh, a natural pairing again the book The Meaning of Metallica Ride to Lyrics it's out now alright my friend well best of luck with it are you uh, getting is there a pulse on it? Are people reaching out? Or you yeah, yeah. Right I now? mean, uh, you know, like you, there have been uh, some nice podcast requests. And I've been, you know, doing some of that. And, uh, 
So uh, we'll we'll see. Hopefully, it'll uh, it'll get some traction. Phil, uh, it's nice meeting you, man. You know, we're cut from the same cloth. Yeah, you know, I feel just, like that for sure, Verna. Again, thank you, and uh, take care of yourself, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Metal for Life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.